So growth in the business to me is the equivalent of personal growth for the leadership. And that's an ethic we really instill among our leadership group and try and push down into the whole organization from a cultural standpoint. Hey, it's Matt. And this is Pass the Secret Sauce. Hey everyone, welcome back to Pass the Secret Sauce. On today's episode, we have a hometown boy, uh, hometown to me, Terrence McCarran, who lives here in Cleveland with me. Terrence is the CEO and founder of Opinion Root, a technology and service company that provides accurate data for real people to inform marketing decisions. So they are the type of company, if you're looking to answer different questions on how people are responding to your marketing, hit up Terrence. He's going to be the type of of person who is capable of leading you in the right direction so that you know what your marketing is doing. And with that, I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. So people get a kick out of what my dinner table was like. I grew up one of seven children in oh, wow. uh, New Jersey. Yeah, it was a big group. So we didn't even have chairs, right? We just had benches kind of on, on either side of the table. And we used to have a race for our favorite spots on whatever bench. And the older siblings always went out. But yeah, my, my memories really go back to, you know, I had a mom for the first 10 years of my life that, that stayed home and then she wound up going to work. And my dad was home sometimes. So I guess I would answer that from a standpoint of my dad on one end, my mom on the other, we're all sort of in our spots with huge bowls of food, competing over who gets seconds, and a lot of times sort of arguing about events of the day. So that was sort of the typical, you know, experience around, you know, the dinner table in my house. Got it. And so your siblings, you had seven of them. What were their age ranges? You know, how do you fall in that order of siblingery? Yeah, <laughs> I'm number four. So I had the, the range, the span was 11 years, right? The oldest to the youngest was 11 years. Uh, so seven kids in 11 years for my mom. And wow. I was right in the middle. So to me that, you know, it's, they talk a lot about family dynamics and middle child syndrome. But in my experience, I was sort of the baby brother of the older sect. And then I was the big brother for the younger sect. It was almost like two different upbringings for me. Got it. Um, so it was, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Did any of them get into any type of entrepreneurialism or were you kind of the, uh, the black sheep that, that uh, of the family where you were the only one that went that route? Yeah. We, you know, it, all of us sort of, one degree or another tapped into our business acumen my oldest brother actually has quite a few uh, interests in the real estate market in Syracuse my second brother is actually has a full-time job but also runs a AU basketball program that's gotten pretty substantial over the last few years in New Jersey and then I think all of my siblings do some sort of entrepreneurial activities whether it's, you know, for just the side hobby interest or to supplement income. So I think that little bit is in all of us, really. Yeah, that's great. Can you recall anything that sort of pushed you guys in that direction? Did you have any type of influences? Or is it just, you know, something that you guys sort of always, always had instilled in you? Yeah, that's a question I think about a lot. I, you know, my father was the example in the household of a business career. And 
you know, he was a Wall Street career uh, in the foreign exchange side of it. And he took a shot in his early 40s on a startup that wound up um, having investors pull out and, and it collapsed. He thought, you know, just a little too early. But from then, he really, you know, having seven kids, my father was very risk averse. So he really dedicated the rest of his career to really protecting his income and mm-hmm. making sure that he could, you know, fulfill his responsibilities as he saw to us. And it didn't work out really in the end. He didn't get to write his own ending from that. So he was scrambling, you know, in his 50s to try and redefine his career and what it was going to be after that phase ended. For me, that was really impactful because I saw the impact it had on my father. So I really, as my career started evolving and progressing, I really wanted to take advantage of opportunities to write my own script, right? Mm -hmm. So I got the experience in my industry, but really started identifying opportunities where I could take you know, sole control and responsibility for my income and the security of my family's future. Yeah, that makes sense. Can you talk about your first jaunt into entrepreneurialism? Was it, you know, as you were a kid, were you the one selling candy or did it not happen until, you know, later on in life? Talk a little bit about that. You know, as a kid, I, I, you know, different era, but I had a paper route at 10 years old, right? So I was delivering the whole news in central New Jersey. I was responsible for collecting all the money, paying for the newspapers. So I didn't see that as an entrepreneurial endeavor at the time. But looking back, it's amazing how much I think about something I did at 10 years old. But aside from that, I was really content the first 10, 12 years of my career working for other people. Fast growth companies were exciting to me. But it wasn't until maybe 10 years ago that I really started feeling like I had gained enough knowledge where I could start breaking out on my own and build something pretty successful. So that was really when I started the planning and and what this might look like and how I might go about doing it. So yeah, I wouldn't. I, I think I I would say I have some roots in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but it wasn't something that drove me until my career was pretty well underway. Got it. Got it. And and was that your EVP Global that you were that you started, or what was your first business that you? That you started opinion route is is the first ah. one that i started so okay. yeah where, where i am now in 2013 this was my my first startup oh that's that's very cool can you, can you talk a little bit about what made you you know want to start that did you did you see a need in the market you know what what made you think that you could do it better you know all, all of those types of things Sure. Yeah, I, I won't get too deep into the weeds, but we operate in the uh, global market research sector So in in part of the marketing landscape, we're the side that really brings the consumer opinion to the marketing decision-making table and discussion set. So we're a few layers into the food chain, but in essence, I've, for most of my career, worked for companies that in the, using the technology of the day was really effectively collecting consumer opinions about all kinds of products and services. And like many industries, our space has been disrupted substantially over the last 10 to 15 years, mm-hmm. first by the migration to online, but then through a wave automated technology solution. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes, 
and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. So I had previously worked and held leadership positions at companies leading that sort of evolution, and that was extremely exciting. But it also gave me a front row seat for some of the unintended consequences or some of the byproduct new problems that comes with massive disruption and change in a market. So I saw the opportunity for Opinion Route really evolving out of the fact that the more things automated in our space, the more fraud got introduced. And I felt like I had a handle on how to mitigate that. So I started Opinion Route to really be a partner for researchers, market researchers in particular, to help reorganize the way they run their business, execute their projects, and ultimately use technology to combat things that could risk the accuracy of the data that is their lifeblood for their business. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, what types of industries do you, do you serve? Is this like retail type services or is there a gamut of different services that you, that you focus on? Yeah, we're generalists in that way. So we have uh, pockets of expertise uh, really across the board, retail, CPG, B2B, the IT, human resource benefit space, insurance, and even in the healthcare space. So pharmaceutical, medical devices. So we've been collecting data across all sectors and have nuanced approaches based on certain buckets of categories that relate to the kind of respondent profile that we would typically reach out to, whether it's just your general consumer, your enterprise business decision maker, or a doctor, for instance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you, you had mentioned before that you know, technology has disrupted your space. Are you guys utilizing technology in some way to deliver your questionnaires or, you know, can you talk a little bit about how you, how you go about gathering the data that you're looking to collect for the, the yeah. clients? Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. Technology is a huge component of, of what we are, what we do and how our industry operates for sure. We are really focused on surveys for the most part and what we would refer to as quantitative. So it's all about the, the data in percentages in, in our world. So yeah, the technology that we utilize, we have an enterprise uh, product called The Navigator, which is basically a project management solution for survey projects. But at the same time, it also has embedded in it a suite of fraud prevention tools. One would be Clean ID, and another would be Valid ID, which are specifically designed to combat certain categories of fraud that, that we've learned about over the years. So technology is the whole driver. And the data is usually collected through online surveys. So in other elements of our business relate to data visualization, you know, reporting tools, things that are really on the end of just the speed of, you know, delivering data and insights to the decision maker. Got it. Got it. Okay. And, and are you basically sourcing your candidates through online channels as well? So, so, you know, someone gives you some type of demographic or something like that that they want to focus in on and then you go and source those people to answer those questions? Is that basically how, how it works? 
Yeah, yeah, very, very much like that. The ability to find a particular demographic or a particular respondent profile is sort of what we're great at, right? And also understanding, I mean, the digital marketing landscape, there are a lot of different means that our industry uses to pull respondents in. And we have a very good handle on which one of those approaches lend themselves to a higher fraud probabilities than others. And we have customized mitigation efforts based on the approach. But yeah, we're always looking for ways of driving more highly targeted, highly accurate traffic, and also enhancing our ability to ensure that before it becomes part of the data set. Got it. Got it. And so now you are... I'm a fellow Clevelander. You're you're in Cleveland as well. What what brought you to That's Cleveland? Right. Was there was there something that brought you here specifically, or was there? Yeah, it's 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 a story, Matt. I love telling just because people in Cleveland have such a hard time believing it. <laughs> but as I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up in the New York metropolitan area. Most of my adult life, I've been bouncing back and forth between New Jersey, New York City, and and Connecticut. But when I decided now was the right time to uh, start a business, and this was around 2012, I made the decision that I was going to self-fund and bootstrap it. And I also kind of realized a, a very clear truth, which is living in one of the most expensive labor markets in the country was probably not the leanest way to actually build a business. So my wife and I sat down and we started evaluating where it might be better. And I have four kids. And you know, so we wanted a bunch of, you know, personal goals to be met, like great place to raise kids, great educational opportunities, cultural activities, things like that. But we also needed the cost of living to be conducive to building a very lean and strong company. So we literally had a virtual map of the United States on the kitchen table one night. And very quickly, we, we got down to Cleveland, which is a city we had visited many times, always were very charmed with. But I was really drawn to in terms of some of the investment it was doing in the startup and just general entrepreneurship in the community. So we came to visit. We started house shopping after Christmas, never stopped snowing, uh, wound up <laughs> buying a house. And next thing you know, about three months later, we were living here. And a lot of our friends and family on the East Coast thought we were absolutely nuts. And But it's been one of the most fun and rewarding decisions we've made in our lives. I love it. I love it. Can you talk a little bit about, have you, have you utilized any of the local startup scene at all? You know, Jumpstart or any of the, you know, LaunchHouse, any of the, any of those types of companies, or I guess maybe just talk a little bit about your experience with starting a business here in Cleveland and some of the benefits that you've realized from it. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I had a cousin that lived here, so he was great my cousin Bill and just in introducing me to just professionals. So networking was how I spent my first year, just getting to know people. And Cleveland's one of those two degrees of separation. So you yeah. can build your net network pretty quickly. And that, you know what I'm talking about there. And then from there, I really started jumping into what the city had to offer in terms of supporting of startups. I, I got connected with a group out of Case Business School called Promise Partners. And that was the group. I was one of the few that didn't get a case MBA in that group, but um, they were really supporting business ownership. So made some great connections and had some good support there. I was taking advantage of the Jumpstart startup scale-up events that they have each spring or summertime just to connect more and get some real good content as I continued to grow. And then recently, I, I just got connected with a sort of summit or a incubator, if you will, called 
the NEO Scalarator, which will be down in Akron, actually. And this is a program that's been successful in accelerating growth for companies around the world, really, that just recently got brought into Northeast Ohio. And that's going to start next month. So I'm pretty excited about that. But, you know, even all that I mentioned there, I'm also a part of EO Cleveland, which has been huge for me over the last year or so. And I didn't even, I mean, there's still so much that is available for entrepreneurs and, and startup companies that I haven't even tapped into. And I feel like I've gotten a lot of value. But one of the suppositions or assumptions I made before moving here was just based on what I had done my own research, but not firsthand experience. And that was that I believed that the education was important enough in the culture out here that I was going to find some highly skilled talent here that I'd be able to pay a, a very competitive rate, but it would still be cheaper than the East Coast. That would help me grow the business and also to enable Opinion Routes to provide a, a nice living for the people that worked with us. And that has panned out, absolutely. I, I've been hiring in different parts of the country and even the world throughout my career. And some of the best talent I've ever found has been here in Cleveland. So that's paid off huge for us. Oh, I love it, I love it. Yeah, that's great. So, so what's next for you? You know, obviously you have these accelerators and, and that coming up. Do you have any other industries or launch plans or anything like that? What, what, what do you foresee in the future for yourself and the company? Yeah, we, Matt, we have a, a maniacal long-term uh, vision for growth for our company, which keeps us excited every day coming in and also creates opportunity. But in the, in the midterm for the rest of 2020, we're really focused on rolling out our B2B uh, fraud prevention tool called Valid ID into the market in a variety of different ways. And then on the back of that, I mentioned our project management system, the Navigator. We've had tremendous demand in the market for clients who need a solution like the one we've built. So we've started really thinking about how to make that available into the market as well. So those are our major initiatives as we kind of look toward the end of 2020 and early 21. Um, but we do have a, a very ambitious five-year plan that may take us longer than five years, but we're always thinking about the longer-term plan and how what we're doing today connects to that. And that's what keeps it fun for us. No, I love it. I love it. No, this is uh, this is great. And you seem like you are certainly open to joining new organizations and groups and, and seeking out help. Can you explain some of the benefits that, I mean, you kind of got into it a little bit before, but I, I'm personally, I, I'm a huge believer in hiring other people and joining groups like what you have to learn from other people's experiences. Can you talk a little bit about where you feel you may have been had you not joined EO and joined the other accelerators and all of that? Because a lot of entrepreneurs think that, oh, I can do it all on my own. You know, and I, I personally believe that one of the, the quickest ways to be able to find success is to, again, be able to network. And I, I think that you kind of have that, that same type of mindset. Can you, can you talk a little bit about where you feel you may have been had you not taken the path that you took? Sure. Yeah, Matt, you, you nailed me. I, I am absolutely voracious appetite for learning and growing. And I feel like right now in our, what's going on with, with COVID-19 and the pandemic and the economic disruption is a perfect example. I, I think we're all sort of figuring this out together in a lot of ways. And I know that's true within my EO uh, forum group. You know, we, a lot of what's happening, whether it's technology driven, economically driven, or something like a pandemic hitting the world, 
anyone that says they have all the answers and they know with 100% precision what to do, I believe is sort of bound to have some heavy setback. So from my standpoint, I've been really lucky to surround myself with uh, an executive team and led by my partner, Andy, who's our, uh, heading up our strategy. Surrounding myself with people with different experiences and perspectives, even in the company, that just helped me get better. I feel like I've grown tremendously over the last year and a half in terms of figuring out how to execute on all of these big plans we have for the future. Uh, if I hadn't done that and I hadn't availed myself of all these different clubs and organizations that have definitely made me better at what I do, you know, I feel pretty comfortably that we'd be struggling dramatically. I may have, you know, one or two employees. We'd be in a small office in, in Cleveland Heights still, and we'd be dying because we'd probably have three or four, you know, accounts right now who are very loyal, but we probably would not have grown very much over the last few years. So growth in the business, to me, is the equivalent of personal growth for the leadership, and that's an ethic we really instill among our leadership group and try and push down into the whole organization from a cultural standpoint. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. So, and again, I I just wanted to touch on touch on that because again, I think a lot of people get caught up in, you know, trying to not not go down the path of joining clubs and paying for information like that. They don't realize the value in it. So, so yeah, thank you for that. But uh, yeah, Terrence, this has been fantastic. Uh, if people wanted to learn more about you, your company, how would you suggest they reach out? Yeah, I would love it for people to check us out on our website, opinionroute.com. We also have a Twitter company account, just Opinion Route, LinkedIn. We have a company page as well. Feel free to look us up. And if I can help anyone listening, you know, feel free to reach out direct to me and I would love to get to know you. Excellent, excellent. Certainly appreciate it, Terrence. Yeah, this has been fantastic. And again, you're local here, so I, I hope we can uh, connect at some point and share more business tales with each other. Yeah, I'd love that, Matt. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.